Today's scripture comes from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 6. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. You may be seated. As you're seated, let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you so much for the joy of celebration on Easter Sunday. We thank you for the beauty of the resurrection of your son Jesus. We thank you for giving us the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask you as we look at uh, this text and others today that you would open our eyes, that we might see you in all your glory. That you'd open our ears, that we would hear the truth of the gospel, and that you would open our hearts, that we would believe, and that in our believing, Lord, you would work out uh, your goodness through us, and so that the work of our hands in this world may glorify you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning we move from the it is finished of Good Friday to the he is risen of Easter Sunday. If you were the kind of church that clapped, that would be the appropriate moment. Um, I, know you're not, I know you're not that group, so that was very awkward for many of you. If you're new here, that won't happen next Sunday. <clears throat> we move from the death and burial of Jesus to the resurrection in the empty tomb of Jesus. On the cross, we see the crucified Jesus take our sin and our guilt and our shame and he, and he takes it upon himself and he dies the death that we deserve to die. And then now here on Easter Sunday, we celebrate the reality that he stands alive next to the empty tomb. He offers forgiveness and wholeness and healing and salvation to all who will come to him. And, and they receive that in and through his victorious life, his victorious resurrection. On Good Friday, we talked about why Jesus had to die, and we celebrated his triumphant death in our place. But Jesus' death on the cross is only triumphant if he walks out of the tomb as the resurrected king. Good Friday is only good because of the resurrection of Jesus on the first Easter Sunday. About 500 years ago, a guy named John Calvin wrote this. He said, the cross of Christ only triumphs in the heart of believers over the devil and the flesh and over sin and sinners. When their eyes are directed to the power of his resurrection. He said, the cross of Jesus only triumphs in the heart of believers when their eyes are directed to the power of his resurrection. Our time is short this morning because I, I want to get us into the baptism testimony videos that we've prepared for you. But I want to take time to direct your eyes to the power of Jesus' resurrection. I want to talk about how we are changed by the resurrection of Jesus. In the passage from Mark 16 that you've heard read already this morning, I want you to see seven simple words that change the world. If you see in verse 6, it says, He has risen. He's not here. 
Those are the words of the angel to the three women at the tomb on the first resurrection Sunday. And our whole faith, the entirety of Christianity is built upon the resurrection of Jesus being a true, historic, physical reality. And that changes everything. The resurrection of Jesus changes us because it opens up the hope that death does not have the final word. There are three specific ways I want to highlight the way the the resurrection changes us today. I want to take you to Romans chapter 6. In this passage, Paul the Apostle is talking about the implications of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus in our lives. He's using the beautiful picture of baptism to show us what that means. Look look at this with me in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 7. It says, Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. When we're talking about being changed by the resurrection, I want you to see three things in this passage. The first, we are free from bondage to sin. The second, that we are united with Christ. And the third, that we walk in newness of life. We have been set free from sin. We are united with Christ and we walk in newness of life, all because we've been changed by the resurrection. First, let's look at this. We're free from bondage to sin. Again, in verse 6, it says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. It says, our old self, it's not talking about your flabby old body, it's talking about who you were before Jesus. It's my old self. Yes, it's aging. The exact same rate yours is. I might be in a point of history when I look like I'm aging faster than I am. I don't know. It's talking about who you were before you knew Jesus. Your old self. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Just let that settle for a second. Apart from Jesus, this is telling us that sin was our master. Apart from Jesus. But because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are free from the bondage of sin. We have been made free. Like Paul, who's writing this to this church in Rome, We can hear it the same as he wrote it then. Paul is not suggesting that followers of Jesus have like an option here. He's actually making a statement of truth. He's telling them something. He's telling us something that because of the gospel, it is objectively true. There was a, a kingdom or a realm where we are all born into, where sin is master. But when we put our faith in Jesus, 
There's a transference of our citizenship away from that realm where sin rules to the kingdom of Jesus. We've been set free from sin. And that's objectively true. And those of you who've walked with Jesus for a minute, you say, if that's objectively true, why is this so difficult? Doesn't mean that we always feel like it's true, right? What Paul is saying is that in Christ, you are changed. You have been changed. There is a status change that has occurred. But, but our sense of that at times, our understanding of that change is slow to catch up to the truth of that change. So it's not as though we never sin again. It's just that we are not in bondage to sin any longer. Our old self was crucified. It's dead. Paul's calling us to live in light of a status change that has already occurred. See, when I came to faith in Jesus, the old Brett died. I was born again. When I died in Christ, that is, when I repented of my sin, when I asked God to save me, I was set free from the controlling power of sin in my life. That is a truth. It doesn't mean that I never sinned again. My wife's here somewhere. You can ask her. It means I'm free from the controlling power of sin. That, that, that when I sin, I am free to now come to Jesus with it and be forgiven. To be changed. If you are in Christ, you are free. You can believe that. The resurrection of Jesus means you are no longer in bondage to sin. You are free from sin and you are now free to pursue Jesus. You are free to know him and worship him and follow him. Okay, but, but notice what it said in verse 6. It says, we know that our old self was crucified. We know. We have knowledge that our old self was crucified. We know this. When we come to Christ, we are changed. See, what we believe here matters. Right? Not, not so that you can be correct and you can win the argument over lunch today. What we know matters. What we believe about this truth, it really matters. Because our actions flow from what we believe. When we know that we are set free to live for God, what it does is it recalibrates our entire way of thinking. It's a literal renewing of our mind. It changes everything about the way that we live our lives. What we do flows out of what we believe. You, if you are in Christ, are free from bondage to sin. We have to know it. How? Okay, first, that's the first point. We're free from bondage to sin. Second, we are united with Christ. This is beautiful. Paul's writing to this church in Rome. He's talking about baptism as the outward expression of an inner invisible reality. It's an outward physical expression of what you believe. It's the inner reality that you have received salvation by grace through faith in Christ. Look at verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk 
in newness of life. It says in verse 5, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. He's saying baptism is a kind of participation in Christ. When we are immersed into the water in the act of baptism, we are buried with him in his death. And then when we are lifted from the water, we are raised with him in resurrection life. That's what baptism is doing, pointing to, symbolizing, expressing. It's a participation in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Look at verse 5 again. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That word united is very important. It's actually a gardening word. It's a gardening word. It was used to explain when two branches had grown together and fused. Literally means grown together. What a beautiful picture of our relationship with Jesus. Grown together in his death. Grown together in his life. United with Christ. Jesus' death in our place is effective to grant us forgiveness for our sin. We, we are free from sin. And his resurrection is effective to grant us new eternal life. And I said we have to know that we've been set free and that we're identified with Jesus and, and his death and birth and resurrection. And again, how do we know that? Think about a marriage. Think about a very wealthy woman who is getting married to a man who has great debt. And they love each other and they've decided that they're going to get married. And they're not going to sign a prenup because prenups are from the devil. I actually think that's true, though. That's the funny thing. You, you giggle. I actually think it's 100% true. That's it's a different sermon. It's part of my preparing for marriage class. Very wealthy woman gets married to a guy with a ton of debt. What happens when they get married? To become one. Everything that's hers, everything that's his, come together. Two have become one. They are what? They are united. He brings all his debt. She brings all her wealth. And they're united together. <laughs> the same goes for you when you repent of your sin. And you trust in Jesus for salvation. All that is his becomes yours. You give him all of your sin and disobedience. And he gifts you all of his perfect obedience and righteousness. It's what we call the great exchange. We take all of our debt and we go, Jesus, I can't pay this. He says, it's okay, I'll pay it for you. Not only that, not only will I pay it for you, I'll gift you my perfect record of righteousness. It's now yours. We're united. He takes all your sin to the cross to be paid. He takes all of your debt that you could never work off. Since it's paid for. He gives you all of his resurrection life so that you can be saved. So, so, so if all of this freedom and everything that Jesus has done is ours, again, I want to ask the question, and it's an honest question, and I think it's the right question. Why don't I feel it all the time? 
If I am truly free from bondage to sin, why can't I grow to a place that I'm okay with, I'm happy with? What's going on? If it's true that I'm united with Christ, why do I feel like death some days? Those are honest, okay questions to ask. I want to show you. I think it's in this text. It says in Romans 6, do you you see the tenses of this? Do Do you not know that all of us who have been, that's past tense, who have been baptized into Christ, we were baptized into his death. Verse 4 says, we were, past tense, buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in it might walk in, might walk currently, presently in an ongoing kind of fashion in newness of life. And then it says in verse 5, for we have, have been past tense united with him in a death like his. We shall certainly be future tense united with him in a resurrection like his. Salvation's comprehensive. I am in Christ and identified with him. That means I put my faith in him. It means I put my trust in him. When I'm identifying with Christ, I'm identifying with his life and his death and his resurrection. I am saying that I trust him with my past and my present and my future. As it relates to my past, I have been changed. As it relates to my present, I'm being changed. And as it relates to my future, I will be changed. So why don't we always feel it? Well, because God's work's not done in us. I have been changed. I am being changed. I will be changed. But my thinking at times, my mind has not yet caught up with the truth of who I already am in Christ. My mind has not caught up sometimes. My behavior and my actions have not caught up because I struggle to believe I really am who God says I am and who I one day will be in Christ. Change is a process. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, I know that I will spend the rest of my life truly becoming who I already am in my union with him. That's the Christian life. It's becoming who you already are. Here's what we need to remember. If we fail to continue to change and then we stumble in our walk with God, it's almost always because we've forgotten who we already are. We've almost always forgotten what he's already done. We're free from bondage to sin. We're united with Christ. And third, we walk in newness of life. Look at verse four. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, the answer to living the transformed life you've been promised in Christ is found when you direct your eyes to the power of the resurrection. You have been changed, you are being changed, and you will be changed. You're free from bondage to sin. The old life has been buried in baptism. You're presently walking in the fullness of your union with him. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, you know that you are walking now and forevermore in newness of life. And Easter Sunday becomes then a very important reminder that everything you need is already yours through the newness of life offered through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything you need. We're changed 
by the resurrection. But, but here, here it is. The biblical pattern of change is this. It is a putting off. It is a renewing of the mind. And then it is a putting on. It is the putting off of an old identity. It is the receiving of a new identity that transforms us by the renewal of our mind. And then it is a putting on of what is true about you in Christ. That's the biblical pattern of change. And in this text in Romans 6, the biblical pattern of change sounds a lot like free from sin, united with Christ, and newness of life. You're putting off the old. Just repent. Just turn away from your sin. Lay it at the feet of Jesus and confess it. Put it off. Receive the truth that you are united in his death, therefore you can be forgiven, and that you are united in his resurrection, which means that you've received new power to overcome. Have your mind renewed. And then put on the truth of who you are and walk in the newness of life. Let me show you from some other texts, because some of you look like you're not convinced. Colossians 3, verses 9 to 10. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old's passed away. Behold, the new has come. Put off the old self. Put on the new self, even as you have your mind renewed, transformed. Paul says we're dead to sin, united with Christ. And we walk in newness of life. But if that's true, I want to highlight the very important question that every single person in here who follows Jesus goes, it's true, I believe everything you're saying. Why did we fight on our way here this morning? It's Easter. Why did I wake up and loathe my roommate? Because they're so dirty. And I had to do their dishes again. Why did it stir something in me that I know is not godly? Exchange is a process. And I fear that some of you think that change is your job. So you do it in your own strength. But today I want to direct your eyes to the power of the resurrection of Jesus. You're definitely involved. You definitely have some hard work to do in growth, change, for sure. But not in your own strength. In the power of the resurrection of the Son of God. Why is it so difficult? I think partly it's so difficult because we didn't expect it, right? We come to Jesus, very small hopes. Just don't want to die, don't want to go to hell. Just like some semblance of peace in my life, that's it though. I'm, I'm good just with that. I'll take my little bit of the gospel and I'll just hang on to it. Maybe you're not like me. I was like, oh, Christianity, that sounds great. I didn't think it would comprehensively change every area of my life. I was like, this is fantastic though. I don't want to. I want to have peace with God. That sounds good. It's difficult because God then starts a process that is lifelong of changing you more into the image of his son. We come to Jesus with really small expectations of what he might do in our life and we never expected it would be so hard because we never thought that, that transformation as disciples of Christ would feel bad sometimes. 
C.S. Lewis was an atheist and he came to Jesus. This is what he wrote because he went through it as well. He said, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right, stopping the leaks on the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. We're changed by the resurrection because we serve the living God. To all of you who have been baptized, who are living in the midst of the reality that we are all being changed by the resurrection, I I say to you, remember your baptism. I love that phrase. You are free from sin, united with Christ, and walking in the newness of your life with him. Whatever your burden is, whatever your struggle is today, today is a new day. And the resurrection of Jesus gives you the power to endure it. Remember your baptism. To those of you who are being baptized today, we are so proud of you. Making a decision to identify with the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus is not a one-time thing. But from today onward, whenever you struggle, whenever you're frustrated, whenever you are looking at the difficulty of your life and trying to comprehend what God might be doing, just remember that he's at work in your life and you can look back on this day and you can remember that you have been changed, you are being changed, and you will be changed. You too, after today, can remember your baptism. To those of you who do not yet know and follow Jesus, I would say to you, you're going to hear some stories that are going to challenge you. I want to challenge you. What are you going to do with a God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin so that he could enter relationship with you forever? What are you going to do with a God like that? What are you going to do with a God who is so powerful that he raised Jesus from the dead just so that you could enter into eternity with him? Do you think he's going to stop pursuing you? (laughs) Do you think a God who loves in an infinite kind of way like that is going to hear your sort of not today? He's going to be like, okay, I'll never talk to him again. That's fine. Huh? He's going to pursue you. And your thoughts are going to go to him because he loves you. And you're going to struggle in life and you're going to go, what is this struggle worth? How do I understand it? I'm telling you, I just gave you a framework for understanding the pain and difficulty of life, but I also gave you a framework of the solution. So those of you who are not yet followers of Jesus today, what are you going to do with a God like that? The angel said to the women at the tomb on the first Easter Sunday, the angel said, he is risen. He is not there. Seven simple words that change the world. And I just want to ask you today, are you going to allow those words to change you? Listen to these stories of people who have been changed by the resurrection. 
My life before knowing Jesus was hopeless, a mess. And having grown in the Roman Catholic Church, it was just a striving to prove myself through works. A friend first invited me to attend a Reformed Evangelical Church, and that's when I first heard that I'm saved by grace through faith. And that's not my own doing, but it's the gift of God. The Lord has really rooted my identity in Him, uh, especially thinking of Romans 8, verse 1, there is now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I want to get baptized today because Jesus Christ saved my life and He's Lord over it and will be forever, and I want to proclaim that. I met Jesus when I was 12 and I was coming in and out of church and when I was 21 I came back to church and Jesus helped me out with uh, to quit alcohol, uh, cigarettes, drugs and sexual immorality. What I noticed is that I was not living fully as Jesus um, told me to live. So what happened is that I decided to follow him fully. I don't feel like I should have this or I should do that in order to be someone. Um, Jesus has given me identity and for that same reason I want to be baptized and I want to proclaim as who he is which is the Lord my Savior and my everything. I accepted Jesus into my heart at a young age but I never really took Christ seriously until I realized at school that my friends weren't being very nice and I guess I wasn't being very nice either and until I read Mark 12, 30, which says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I realized I wasn't doing that very well. I feel happy because I've been devoting myself more to him and spending more time with him through praying and the Bible. I wanna be baptized because I wanna show publicly that I believe in the gospel and I believe God's work. And I feel like it's also a next step in my faith. Before coming to Christ, my life was very focused on the materialistic things of this world, uh, seeking after job, uh, like career, money, relationships, and just trying to find fulfillment in life, um, but ultimately not finding it at all. Uh, a friend from the church I grew up in sent me a video breaking down the historical evidence for the Bible. Uh, one night I was looking through that video series while I was actually high on weed, and God completely used that to show me a vision of what heaven is and what hell is. And I never saw any like actual imagery of it, but I just felt a sense of pure self and a sense of pure love and pure godliness. And I knew at that moment that I needed to change my life. I need to stop focusing on things of this world and focus more on God. I'm now focused on just learning more about Jesus, learning more about God, what he's done, um, and just fellowshipping with other brothers and sisters, getting to know other people's stories and learning from them and sharing with them and just growing as a body. For me, baptism is a step of obedience. So to me, it's the next big thing I wanna do in my life, but also it feels like I wanna do it the right way. Uh, when I first became a Christian during COVID, I did my baptism in my bathtub over a call uh, with a bunch of strangers I didn't actually know. And now that I'm part of a church, I wanna come back to that and do it in front of everyone and pledge a clear conscience before God in front of the whole body. I came to Christ um, at a very young age growing up in a Christian family, but because I was so young, I didn't really know and understand what it meant to be a Christian. Um, I learned that over time throughout high school, throughout university, um, and going to church, listening to different sermons, and really trying to understand what, it, what does it mean to be a Christian versus a good enough Christian. 
I feel so much more free and loved in Christ. I feel like I have a purpose, I feel joy and peace, and I have this amount of love that I just want to spread out to everyone else. I want to be baptized to publicly declare my dedication to Christ, um, to be able to tell and show everyone that I am here for Christ, to run to Christ um, and run with Him as well. So my life before Christ was very unstable. I was anxious and uncertain. I was pretty much looking for grounding in anything but Christ. And as a result, I was very burdened. I was very troubled by that. I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder in university. I had a lot of fear about contamination and my safety and well-being. At that time, I reached out to God and asked for help. Uh, and He did deliver on that help. Um, stubbornly at the time, in hindsight, I walked away from God thinking that I could handle things on my own after that. Uh, years later, though, I realized that that wasn't true. I had a very difficult relationship breakup and once again found myself on my back. So I reached out to God and He was faithful to me and He delivered me once again. And that time around, I, I really realized that, that I needed Christ, I needed God. I, I wasn't enough on my own. Um, and so He really gave me that stability, that rock to stand on. My life after Christ has been markedly different. He's given me relief from my burdens. Um, he cares about my anxieties. He's lifted me up from the trenches and I, I feel at peace with, with Christ. I want to be baptized because I want to publicly express my faith. I want to be a good witness. I want to share my testimony. And I want to share the joy of being baptized. I want to feel what it feels like to, to, to share that with the world and to know that Christ is my rock and that uh, I can proclaim that good message of truth. I received Christ into my heart in my early preteens, but I didn't really critically think about what it meant to be a Christian. I struggled a bit in high school with um, loneliness and trying to fulfill a desire to seek approval in the new transient setting of university life, I wasn't surrounded by the same groups of people anymore that I was in high school and allowed me to take some time to reflect on my own of what it really meant to live my life as a Christian and what role that God had for me. I want to be baptized because I want to declare my faith in Jesus and recognize that he died on the cross for my sins out of his unconditional love for me, and I want to dedicate the rest of my life following Christ and acting as a servant of God. I came to Christ when I was seven. I was blessed to be raised in a family of all Christians, and ever since then, I knew of God. I filled my insecurities with relationships, with friends, shopping, uh, sports, work, and I thought I could do it all by myself. Uh, two years ago, I felt like I lost a lot. I was struggling, and I looked up and asked God for help, and He pulled me out. Everything I do now, I'm more happy. Everything I do, I bring glory to God. So my thoughts, my actions, it's God-centered. I want to proclaim my love for Jesus in front of everyone. I want them to see how God has worked in my life, and I want to bring glory to God that way. Before coming to Christ, my life was very lonely, uh, very sad. I came from a 
broken, blended family, and it really wasn't worth living. A friend I hold in very high esteem uh, had an experience that brought them to Christ. From that point on, I just became more and more interested, and eventually, when the churches opened back up, uh, we were so excited to join one, and Christ City was the first one that I have ever been to. Since coming to Christ, my life has been so filled with love and unexpected blessings and just people I didn't know I needed in my life and I don't think I could ever go back. I want to be baptized because I'm looking forward to washing away the person and the life I used to have and moving forward with Jesus by my side. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home uh, with believing parents and although my change was very gradual, this is the grace of God who granted me with a loving and believing family. As a Christian, I feel more freedom. I can live how God intended me to live. I don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. I want to be baptized to publicly proclaim that I put my faith and trust in Christ and I want to live that life that He created me to live. Um, my life before Christ was just filled with uh, a lot of anxiety, bouts of depression, and I would turn to really unhealthy coping mechanisms to try and fix those um, feelings that I was having and um, to fill a void of hopelessness um, and worthlessness. And I just felt very lost and confused in my life. I came to Christ through um, my boyfriend primarily. Um, he uh, pushed me to explore Christianity, and after exploring a little bit, I had some really um, awesome and intense moments with God, and from there on, I just knew that Jesus was my savior. My anxieties and my depressions are um, a lot more at ease because I have Jesus to turn to rather than unhealthy coping mechanisms. I feel a sense of hope and a sense of worth in my life, and I've overall just been a lot more driven and a lot happier, and I'm so thankful for that. I want to be baptized because I want to have the closest relationship to Jesus as I can, and I want to make a proclamation that I'm committing my life to Him. So I was born into a Christian home with two amazing parents that always took me to Sunday uh, every week. Um, and there I really learned the story of Jesus and God, but didn't fully understand what it meant to be a Christian or how that impacted my life. As a young teen, I began going to summer camp every year, and that's when I really started my personal relationship with Jesus. And from there on out, uh, God just continued to provide mentors and community around me to continue help me to grow my faith. I want to get baptized today uh, because I know I've been saved by Jesus' sacrifice, and I want this to be a declaration and a commitment to my faith and to continue living my life for God. For most of my life, I was stuck in a vortex of substance addiction. So just kind of lost, wandering around, full of angst and anxiety, unhappy, not having any meaning to my life. I came to Christ because, uh, well, first of all, God is a large part of the 12-step recovery program. And then early in my recovery, I went looking around for a church to just uh, so I can know more and learn more. I love the exuberance of... Uh, Christians at the church, and uh, I wanted some of what they had. I have hope. 
And I have periods of joy, something I've never experienced before. I never had any hope. I never had any kind of direction. I am excited. I'm excited to see what, uh, you know, what God's got in store for my life, what I can do, who I can help. I've just been isolating and alone my whole life, never felt, ever felt a part of anything. And so now I have this rich community at the church, and it's just really exciting. I think maybe that's what maybe God intended the whole time. I want to be baptized because I want to make a proclamation to the church and indeed to the world that I'm, I'm anew in, in Jesus. And I want to shed my old life, which was very unpleasant and unhappy indeed, and start a new life anew as a follower of Jesus.